mentioned that there was a poor home form from the Devils. They don't get their first home win until the 27th of October when uh, it is poor old Bracknell again <laughs> yeah. who are, are on the end of a loss of 6-4 win, um, which actually uh, kicks off a run for the Devils of uh, around nine games without losing only one draw. There, there was a catalyst, guys. Sorry to interrupt. I, I don't know whether it was directly related. Obviously, he's a great player. But um, we re-signed Stevie Lyle. Stevie had gone out to try in the NHL camps uh, and got picked up. I think we took Detroit Whalers, wasn't it? Or the or, uh, yeah, so, but, but, so that that was, I think, the year after he played in yeah. the OHL. But he'd still but gone this back year, out this there. year. I think he'd gone to some kind of yeah. maybe a junior camp. And we had signed Frank, Frank Caprice, ex-NHL goalie, yeah. Vancouver Canucks. So we had, and he was he was sort of in his latter years. Yeah. But we'd signed him who were like, yeah. wow, you know. And, and Woody was backing up. And, and Woody was backing up. Now, Woody was the ex-GB number one yeah. goalie. You know, he'd won championship upon championship with us. Um, so we had him as a backup. We had Frank Caprice number yeah. one. Stevie came back from a training yeah. camp, so he came in, and I think he ends up taking over from. He, he does because I remember, you know, when 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 Stevie left again the next year, and we brought in Derek Holoski, but Holoski was initially the backup. I remember Caprice, uh, Caprice being fantastic the year, uh, the second year of Super League, but I'm not sure why. But Caprice initially struggled. Did he have a knee injury? Groin injury. Yeah. And the other thing I I always remember about this year, so when. You know, you've got this ex-NHL goalie who's legit and, you know, he was a, a fantastic goalie. I also remember, if it went to a shootout, we would pull Caprice and we'd put Stevie in yeah. the shootout. Because Stevie was lightning quick when he was a youngster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and really good in the shootout. And I always felt that must be the biggest kick in the nuts if you're a goalie. <laughs> and, you're getting, NHL. and you get, yeah, and you're getting pulled yeah. for the shootout. But the guy was probably still only, what, 17, 18 at yeah. the time? Yeah, and... he was, yeah, he was young. But uh, I remember that was that tactic. Yeah. Every shootout we went into, out would come Frank and in we'd go Stevie. Yeah. But, but yeah, Stevie took the number one. So, and it was around that time we started going on a run and, and Stevie ends up winning the first ever Super League Player of the Year. Yeah. So I mean, there was a couple of changes in, in sort of personnel. Yes, there was. I mean, I'm, I remember... In that training camp in Brest, I remember finding myself on a line with Randy Smith. And I'm like, oh, and, and I don't, I may have misinterpreted mm. it that he was just trying me out for a spot there, see if I could cope. He was probably just ticking over time. Not at all. While he, while he brought in, you know, his other players. But then that's when we bring in Yucha mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so we, we, yeah, we brought in these extra guys, like you said, some of the other ones come late. Frank Evans, Brent Pope mm -hmm. was a pickup yeah. after training camp in October or whatever. You said his name there without kind of cursing. I cursed inside. Um, and then, I'm trying to be the bigger person. Uh, I just went low. <laughs> and, and then there's the the big change, isn't there, with Zish. Yeah, Zish for Thornton. And then we pick up a guy called Steve Thornton. Mm -hmm. And I remember, again, like I say, I, I don't genuinely have a great memory mm. of, like, hockey in general apart from when I'm with you JD it, it rubs off for like <laughs> about uh, two hours on Osmosis, a Tuesday yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember we signed this guy remember this is all before Elite Prospects and Hockey DB and all that so when you signed the guy you didn't know him from Adam you know mm -hmm. yes, it, and uh, Steve Thornton comes in and he's quite a small guy and got the smallest stick in yeah, the world yeah. and he goes out on our training session before a game and I'm like oh my god who is that he looked terrible he looked absolutely mm -hmm. awful. Like he couldn't stick handle a puck, but he 
kind of regained control of it, but he was losing the puck every time he handled it or so I thought. Mm -hmm. And okay, yeah, the puck went in the net then, but that's a terrible shot. You know, he's going to be an absolute disaster <laughs> here. And then we got into the first game and I, I think he got like a, a load of goals on that. Yeah. Um, and every time I thought he was mishandling the puck, it was actually his style and yeah. he had like unbelievable control of the puck and that little flipper shot, oh. it was deadly, you know, and it was, you know, from he was like an awkward looking player, but it was just his style and he, he was, was so effective. He was a good winger. I think he was an even better centre when he moved there later in Super League. But his first... Remember, Stefan Zich had just started scoring goals at this point and he was a bit of a trier and everyone was, was going behind him. And I remember Thornton's first game wasn't a league game. It was, a, I think, it might be a Friday night friendly against Manitoba Moose. So call it... Manitoba Bison. Manitoba Bison. Were they Bisons as well? They were. They were. Has anyone told them? We, we will as soon as they stop rolling on this episode. Just before you... Yeah. Uh, sorry. Before we destroy Manitoba Bisons. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say that the catalyst for change may have been the fact that before this challenge game, there's only one win in five. Yes. So there's a run of nine games with only one draw. But that was against Sheffield? Or was it a four-all draw yeah, against Sheffield? it's a 4-3 win, four, three against, win Sheffield. against Sheffield. It's a four-all draw against the Bison and three losses before that against and Bracknell, Ayr and Newcastle. Being highly stressed. You could yeah. see the pressure he was under. And there, there was a time, like he uses a scary man, oh, especially yeah, yeah. when he loses his rag. And there was a time, I think it was during this run, um, uh, and I can picture it now that he's come down the dressing room like we've had a bad bad period yeah. and he's come down the dressing room and he's yelled and screamed and he's booted the bin which he had he had, yeah. did have a propensity to yeah. like kick something punch something <laughs> and he's booted the bin and the plastic in the bin is broken <laughs> and his foot's gone through the bin and his foot is now wedged on there because the broken plastic is digging into his foot. So he's trying to shake this bin off his foot. He's yelling at us and he's got this bin stuck to his leg and he's hopping around trying to yell and pull this bin off. And yeah. it was like the funniest thing that we could never laugh at because yeah. if, if you did laugh, I think you'd be dead. <laughs> and there would be no podcast. There would be no podcast. Yeah. So as you said, uh, Johnny makes his debut in the challenge. Yeah, and he wasn't great. He wasn't great. And it, uh, what I was going to say is, this is the time where Stefan Zichu was an okay hockey player, but was kind of seen as this project, and and people were starting to to warm to how hard he tried. And I think he scored a a goal in that win against Sheffield. Might have even been the winning goal, the the four three game. And all of a sudden he's released, and Thornton comes in. I remember in his his first game, um, he looked a little rusty. And, and had that style that Franny's talking about, maybe a little bit of an awkward style, and it was, oh, what have we done here, and, and, and who's this guy? Um, and then he just, you know, he, he lights the league up. Well, um, the Devils go on an eight-game winning streak mm. from the time that he arrives there from that challenge game. So uh, that really pushes uh, the title charge going forward. Um, that streak is snapped, though, by the Steelers uh, on the 18th of January, a 7-6 loss. This was a game, remember Steel. I told you we went 6-1 down and then and then came back and, and yes. Rob Wilson said that Cardiff had all the momentum from the game and I think if you check, like, the week later, we beat Sheffield. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks later, there's a 3-2 win um, after demolishing Nottingham Panthers 11-2 and drawing in Basingstoke 4-0. Okay. Yeah, go yeah, You need to get out more, John. Yeah. <laughs> That's what my wife says. That's why she sent me here tonight. There's there your go. wife joke. Bing There's your wife joke. <laughs> what, what's, how long have we been recording? Yeah. Um, 
that story is uh, is available in more depth in the archives for the Sheffield Steelers episode, Indeed. I believe. But there are many other fine episodes available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And only a couple of dodgy ones as well. Yeah, well, no, there's yeah. a couple of stingers, but you know. <laughs> but we didn't get sued after the last episode, so yeah. it's a, it's, <laughs> yeah. there's a couple of bits of controversy. Yeah. Mike Denton has got a hit out on you, though. <laughs> it wasn't me, was it? It was, it was Gaza that said, if you, if you get a criminal sentence, I think you're pretty much guilty. Well, you know, let's not bring it up again. Let's <laughs> <laughs> give the lawyers a second bite at it. You know, I, I stand by it. If you're convicted of something, I can say that you are attempted murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that Manitoba game, there's also a really random challenge game during the run-in the inaugural league season with mm. only about a handful of games left. All of a sudden, on the 5th of February, the Devils are playing the Japanese national team. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Where on earth did that game come from and who thought that was a good idea? I haven't got a clue, <laughs> but I remember they had a guy who was about 5 foot 2 in height and 5 foot 2 wide. Like, we used to call him the cannonball. And he would go out there. And I also remember that... So they probably played, like, my line yeah. a lot in that game because they were trying to, you know, rest up the guys. And I remember Peter Smith, Waffy, um, absolutely destroying the cannonball with the dirtiest <laughs> hit from behind. This guy was running round, like, you know, making his hits, and yeah. I think that's what he did, the, the cannonball. And then Waffy just ploughed into him right through the numbers and might have ended that guy's life. <laughs> Maybe his career, I don't know, but that, that's what... Yeah, weird choice of time. Very, yeah, very like, I was probably happy about it because I got some ice time. Then, but, fifth uh, of Feb, that must be Olympic qualifying time, possibly. maybe. So for Japan, it makes sense. I don't. They, uh, yeah, I remember any... being at the game. I just I can't remember why. <laughs> why on earth we 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 played it? Um, to pay for one punches airfare from earlier <laughs> yeah, in the season. The train That's just still trying to get the money. I um I think we need to get Finney on finding the game sheet for that game so we can find out who Cannonball is. Yeah. Yeah. It's got oh, a bit... elite prospects. <laughs> Did we draw some like three all or something? No. Um, do you want another goal? Because I know you. No, go on. Tell me. I go. It's a five-three loss. Five-three loss. Okay. And reigned victorious. Cannonball yeah. had probably all three. <laughs> so Waffy killed him. So Waffy killed him. But yeah, really. Ra- like when I was doing my research for this episode, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. I was like, eh, Nottingham, Bracknell, Japan. That not, not there was a Nottingham game around that time, and I remember watching this on Sky, and Franny would have played in this. That was really we had some injuries, and we lost in Nottingham. But it was a game where we went one nil up, and then Paul A.D. equalised, and it was something like it's a thousandth point or a thousandth goal or so. And the game was held up for about ten minutes while they presented him with a silver stick or something on the ice, and we just lost all our momentum. I think we lost something like seven four in the end, or, or uh, it's a five two loss. Five two loss. So <laughs> meet me up three days after the Japan debacle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's still licking our wounds yeah. with a cannonball. Can- <laughs> oh, congratulations to Paul Aidy, but that always annoyed me. We'll bring it up next time he's down. Yeah. Uh, but th- that is only one loss. Um... They're the two three twos against Sheffield, which are really pivotal games, they which we've talked really about pivotal. before. Um, and they, uh, they take place on the 26th of January. Yeah. 
and the second one, oh, I think it was before that actually. The 26th of Jan was the, the second 3 2 victory. Yes, 9th of Jan and the 26th of Jan, both and, 3 2 victories. And then one other game reference because it just stands out. I think we were ahead at this point, and Sheffield were a few points behind. Um, but you could drop points against anyone, and we went to the Centrum. Um, and played, and, and I think Sheffield were hoping, it, it was one of the games where Sheffield thought we might drop points, because Air were in a really good run at this stage. And we went there, and again, it was in a Sky game, and I remember watching it with my dad in, in Gretzky's, because just as an aside, my mother, loveliest woman in the world, was one of these women in the 90s, didn't want a satellite dish on her house, because she thought it <laughs> upset the aesthetics of the house. So I, I missed out on Premier League football. I mean, so for the ice hockey, we had to go to Gretzky's bar. Wasn't so cable what? an option? No, cable wasn't an option there. there. No. No, no, so my I mother... Thought, I thought my house had cable for a time. No, not in, 90, not in 96, 97. So no, we, we wouldn't have a dish on the house. So, uh, yeah. Um, they were cumbersome, John. You know, cut us some slack. I know. You know this is the old analogue dishes. It, it affected the property value and all that. Younger so. viewers wouldn't remember the big but old They were big old things. Dishes. They were big old things. So Amstrads. It, we, were, um, we were in Gretzky's and this game, I can't remember whether we won 5-4 or something like that, but Doug McEwen, who always scored fantastic goals before the devil, uh, before this season for the Devils, but maybe in Super League and him getting older, he, he hadn't scored one of those... Rocky Saganuk type goals where he you know beats the guy twice around the net. So this was a game where Dougie scored such a beautiful goal. And I think he undresses Scott Young and goes in and, and, and scores. And we win this game in air. And, and for me, and I remember being in Gretzky's that night and with my dad, I think that was the night I first thought, yeah, we're going to win this thing. Well, it was on the 15th of February and it was 4-3. 4-3. you were very close with your 5-4. And the following day is a 7-4 win in Newcastle, mm. which I remember me and my brother studiously following on teletext. Teletext. <laughs> and just refreshing and refreshing because those two games were a precursor um, to the game against Manchester. On Thursday night. Which was the game where... If you were there. Do you remember any of this? Because you were very quiet at the moment. No, I was too busy looking at Cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> so I think and that's it, why I was leaving it be, because yeah. I really want to find out I think it's Tutsumi Otomo. Really? Yeah, it was down as 5 foot 7, 176. I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, let's, uh, let's find uh, some look here in the... Friend of the show. Yeah, um, I mean, spent all of his career in Japan. Yeah, and unsurprisingly, I suppose. Um, but the the ninety six, ninety seven, they did go to the world championship, so maybe that's what they. I were. think that they, yeah, that rings a bell that they were. Yeah. Anyway, back to winning. <laughs> did you hear any of that the last five minutes? <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th I think it was worth it because Cannonball's my new favourite player, yeah. and um, well, he didn't play much after two thousand and two, so. Waffy did have a long-lasting effect. Yeah. I just love the list now that we're building up of related people to this show who are so left field. Yeah. You know, Ken Preetsley scouting players for us, and and one punch, one punch, Steve and Stevo, John Landry's orthodontist. John Landry, your hatred for Dan Tessier and Tyler Mosenko. <laughs> oh, I wish people could have seen your face then. <laughs> Uh, so yes, as we were as we were saying, there was uh, those two three two victories against Sheffield, and then in games where the Devils are inching ever closer to the line, they squeak out a win in a four to three. The next night, 
go to Newcastle, win 7-4, and that sets up a game at the Welsh National Ice Rink. Before we do this big one, can I can I tell one more story? And this isn't a funny story, but just I, I've got to get this in because I've been bitter about it for many, many years. <laughs> Is it to do with Brabant? It's not to do with Brabant, no. <laughs> okay. But I've probably got another Brabant story. No, the, the, this was the year the Devils celebrated their, their 10th anniversary. And we celebrated it earlier in the season, I think, uh, November, whatever the 10th anniversary of the Ashfield Islanders game was, against Air. Air have come up a lot in this podcast. And I, I thought it was going to be like the, the best night ever, apart from being with a woman there was all the other parts of it that were fantastic i was only 14 15 at the time i was a late starter um and it was it was we there was a there was gretzky's upstairs but there was a bar downstairs where where skate hire normally was and it was the first the library time, bar or something the library bar or something like that and it was the first time i'd ever had a beer with my dad i was 14 15 years old it was the 10th anniversary of the team i loved and my dad said, go and have a beer with me. And we had a couple of bottles of, of Budweiser. And, you know, you're having a beer with your dad. Budweiser. It would have been Labatt's. Or Labatt's or Moosehead or something. Or Moosehead. Moosehead. Maybe Labatt's. So or we, maybe I, even Budweiser Budvar. I'll give you that I'm one. sure it's Budweiser. Budvar. Yeah. Not the original. Budweiser okay. Budvar. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, so I'm, I'm having this beer with my dad. And it's a big moment, you know, lovely. You have, you have the, the first drink with your father who buys it for you underage but but good on him um and you know you're about to watch your club play their their tent and there was this whole big party planned there was balloons above the rink there was going to be a a cake coming onto the ice and there's those clips of of the late great heather prue bringing that that cake out afterwards um and the devil's lost it was fantastic the devil's <laughs> lost and my dad who's not the best loser in the world you know it was 10 years of the devils we've won league championships it's been the real as you can tell from this podcast the only thing that's kept this sad ginger bloke going uh in his early years you know he wanted to celebrate 10 years for his club my dad as soon as the buzzer went i think we lost 3-1 or something right we're going and just <laughs> he's, not, he's not tonsils that ripped off his shit and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not but he's he's very similar in that manner <laughs> So yeah, so so that night, first beer with my dad, but didn't get to see the ten year celebrations because he was really unhappy we lost to air. <laughs> so there was a moment at the beginning of that story where the tables just totally turned and the man who was coached and played for the Devils for nigh on thirty years knew exactly what was in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and the fan who was in said bar knew everything about what was going on in the house. I, I don't know what that says, but I just thought it was a lovely moment. <laughs> I didn't even know we lost. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good beer, though. <laughs> so, yes, we, we get to the, the, the chance for the Devils to seal uh, the championship against the Manchester Storm, against John Lawless, who mm. had been the focal point of so much of the other successes that the club had had. Um, Franny, was what, what was... Lawless's demeanour like on a night like this because it's got to be a part of him that's delighted to see it happen um, but it's got to be a part of him that's really disappointed as well did he have much interaction before or after the game or what was he like on this night I think when you play against your old club especially if you're someone that's really well established I, I think you always it always raises your game I mean we saw it the early years of the takeover mm-hmm. um, with Todd in the Belfast game, he wanted to beat Belfast more than anybody, you know, even though that was a huge part of his, his past. Mm-hmm. You know, he's moved on and you almost want to get one over on your old club. So there was definitely that. And I'm sure he would have loved to have spoiled the party just to, you know, even if we'd have gone on and won the league and he'd probably been more than happy that we've done that, I'm sure he'd have just like one last laugh. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we, we, won, we won the league and I'm sure that he was happy about it and, you know, he, a very sporting guy, 
hugely competitive, but you know they weren't going to win it. He knew they weren't going to win it, so you know when when all said and done, you know very uh, very gracious. It was a it was a nervous night. It was I say it was a Thursday night, and it was. Um... Uh, Corpus Christi alumni. I was in Corpus Christi at the time, and uh, it was half term. So I, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I remember that. But uh, uh, and and the night before, I'd watched Fierce Creatures, the sequel to A Fish Called Wonder. Not as good. I don't know why I remember that either. But I thought I remember. Did anyone remember watching that? That's the first time I knew Fierce Creatures existed. Do you know I've not seen Fierce no. Creatures with the nature zoo and and the th- it's, it's worth a watch. Uh, <laughs> So it's a Thursday night against Manchester and I think the anticipation is we're going to win it but there are some nerves there because we'd fallen short for a couple of years and and, and Sheffield were the dominant force and it was a a nervy game and I remember us going a few goals up and then Manchester coming back at us and it wasn't until sort of the the midway point of the third period where I think either Thornton assisted Machulik or I think it might be Machulik assisted Thornton and Thornton scored this goal on a one-timer um, underneath the, the netminder and I think it might have given us a, a, a two goal spread and then you could kind of breathe um, and it was weird having Lawless in the building it almost felt a bit disloyal winning this first league championship without him there as a fan I get, you know for the players obviously it's a culmination of a hard year's work as a fan it was weird having him in the building I think I probably would have preferred it being somebody else um, and then similar to a, you know an issue we had when we won the league for the first time uh, after 20 years there was no trophy there that night so it was great and it was good celebrations but there wasn't um any any trophy presentation that that came on the sunday or saturday i think against newcastle when we lost because i think the guys were still hung over uh yeah, sort of two days of drinking. That night after manchester um well we went through the budvada labat <laughs> uh, uh, no i i i don't remember the game one bit mm-hmm. probably didn't get on if we go for if we go for league championship probably didn't get on, but I I remember almost every second from after I remember you know celebrating on the ice uh, I remember going into the dressing room um, Doug McCarthy had cigars, cigars ready yeah uh, so I know there's like really good pictures of him with cigars mm-hmm. but yeah you know us like coughing our guts up but you know having a chug <laughs> on these cigars um, I also remember one thing that I thought was one of the classiest moves that, that I've been involved with is that we're all going wild in the dressing room, as you can imagine, you know, such a buzz, the mm-hmm. very first Super League champion. So no matter who wins it after, no one can ever be the first winners of the Super League champions apart from us. And you know, we're all going nuts and McCarthy stands up and he bangs something and he goes, right, I want to do a toast. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to do a toast. He think, yeah, we mm-hmm. think he's going to toast. And he said, I want to do a toast um, to these guys because they didn't get the most ice time, but whenever they got out there, they did a job, and without having these kind of role players, um, you don't go on to win leagues. And he toasted to the likes of myself, mm-hmm. James Manson, Woffy, yeah. George Swan, um, and he made that the very first toast. So not nice. not the guys like Vez who'd finished top mm-hmm. scorer, you know, Vez himself, McCarthy, and yeah. Ivan. It wasn't, and that's why I thought he was going to toast something like that, or heaves. Hmm. It was, um, it was to to give us some recognition for the part that we that's played, classy. and I thought that was a really, really classy thing to do. And that's, you know, that's my lasting memory of that night is uh, 
chug it on cigars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but having McCarthy do that it's kind of classic. Would your gesture. dad have been around? Would he have been around the locker room? Would you have partied with your dad that night? No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't in the locker room. Obviously, you saw him in the bar after. I also remember. I also remember Bob Phillips, who was one of the co-owners yeah. at the time. When he was the minority shareholder behind Paul Guy and David Temme. Yeah. Him running in, and you know when people like win stuff and you spray champagne. Mm-hmm. He's running, trying to get involved with it, and the first bottle he's grabbed is a bottle of like toilet cleaner <laughs> or bleach or something, and he shook it up and he sprayed it all over us. <laughs> We're like, what? Yeah, yeah. Devil's blinded. Yeah. It's entitled celebration. Yeah, and legitimately, he was like squirting this bleach at us. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, and then we we ended up back in. Was it Winston's or Red's? Yeah, Winston's. Um, yeah. In those days, and yeah, drank through the night, and yeah. hence the loss on the hence the loss on the Saturday, Saturday night. This was a big achievement. Just a bit of a shout out for Paul Heavey. Only his second year as as coach, and again, might have been great for him to win it against Lawless, kind of his mentor or the guy. But for for Heavey, who we talked about before, not only his second year as coach, but also coaching players who he knew were of better quality than him, mm. but but managed to build up that level of respect and, and you know did his due diligence and did the video and just worked harder than everybody else. That, that was a, a, a huge moment for for Paul Heavey and one that he should be very very proud of. Yeah, and I, I said before, he he to me was the first of the new age of coaches that were you know almost looked at the manuals where before Lawless was very loose let's go out and have a scrimmage mm-hmm. let's you know play for beers that kind of mentality let's have the best team and i'm just gonna keep them happy and keep them mm-hmm. ticking over have a loose structure to play he's just very structured he does, he, he works so hard in terms of educating himself on the game i mean he was a, a physical player rather than a skilled player who would have all this kind of mm-hmm. understanding of the game but he wanted to make sure that he had the leadership skills we knew that from him being captain uh, he wanted to take himself on uh, to the next level as a coach, and he was the first one that kind of had systems and yeah. had prescribed plays and all stuff like that. Yeah, so. uh, it was a, a fabulous night. It was my first full season oh, as a Devils was a fan. Good one. My uh, my brother uh, took it, took me down whenever he could. We didn't have a season ticket, but uh, I had my Mike Weir shirt, and uh, I had my birthday. Yeah. yeah, I was happy with that and. I just remember just being given a load of party poppers and streamers yes. that game before before it even faced off. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that would happen now. As no, much. I think it's a bit more of a I don't think Andrew Lord would have felt like that, <laughs> would he? <laughs> but I remember specifically that, that there was very much no yes. sort of doubt around. No, I was given a party pop with your eyes. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Um, it How was, many games know, did we have to go, by the way, before we. like Just I, two. Just it was two. Just, that it was and then one. Newcastle. They were the last two. Yeah. Yeah. And Sheffield had that Manchester game on the Sunday, which was mm. the 17,000 game. Okay. So if we'd have lost both games, Sheffield could have won the league still. But they didn't. Ha <laughs> ha. They didn't. <laughs> um, and it was the debut of Monty. Yes. As a as a league championship. Mm. Um, kind of by mistake, I understand. I don't think that. It oh, this was is the story a, that Todd tells uh, us, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's. It was. It's called the Monteith Bowl because the Monteith Bowl is essentially a Victorian punch bowl. Yes. So it's not a trophy of any description. Well, or normally it's named after somebody, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But this is the style of so, bowl so that it is. It's yeah. like the the name in the catalogue. It's the Monteith. It's yeah. The so he's basically gone into a you know a sort of you know a trophy shop and well I maybe not a silversmiths maybe. Yeah. Well, not you know Monty a... is actually. I remember. I I don't know why these like no important stuff stuck sticks in my head, but 
stupid stuff like this. That the Monteith ball, I'm sure at the time cost upwards of twenty thousand yes. pounds. Maybe three, and it's, it's, it's the antique solid, from the Victorian era. <laughs> it's solid silver, yeah. like, as opposed to the kind of silver plated that you might get today yeah. or or worse. But it's it's legit trophy. Like oh, it, yeah. I mean, this is you know this is the start of what they thought was going to be the boom era of hockey yeah. with all the millions coming in from Sky. They went out and they spent really good money on a trophy. But I wasn't a big fan of it when it initially got introduced because oh, it wasn't like a, it. it wasn't a big trophy. You know, I'm I'm. Maybe I'm overcompensating. I'm all for size, and I like the European Cup in football, and 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 what have you. I like a big trophy, and this was a bit. But obviously, the the fact that after the '96, '97, there was such a long drought, you start to love it because you won it so much, and then to win it after 20 years was was fantastic. And I remember, you know, the night we all got to touch it was probably the best night of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, when it was first introduced, I, I wasn't a, a huge fan. Just on this point, now that we've got to keep that, mm. and I'm not asking you to name names, you know, you know the other trophies we've got to keep, the Heineken League trophy yeah. and the playoff trophy. You know where those are, yeah? Yes. They're in safekeeping? Yes. Okay. We haven't lost them anymore. <laughs> I mean, no. Every time we bring this up, it's so secret squirrel. Oh, okay. It's yeah, like yeah. just a short shot. Yes. Yeah. I know where yeah, they are. You know where they're they're, they're, safe. they're safe. They're safe, yeah. Okay. But I do also know, <laughs> I'm not sure, I, I know half a story, and I'm not sure whether it was Cardiff or I'm not sure whether it was Todd Tellett. Did Belfast ever win Monty? They must have, yeah. Yes. I think it yeah. was when Belfast won it that, that it had to go through the security scanner. And when it went through the security scanner, it, it hit something. It was like maybe on its I thought this was when we were taking it out to Belfast. When we, the second year we won oh, it, maybe it so was, we took it out to Belfast because Lordo it, said we have to have the trophy on the And it got ice. crushed in the they scanner crushed, yeah. and it basically got folded in half. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they spent the next time like trying yeah. to sort of warm it up and prise it apart. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's got a few dents in it. It's I mean, it's, dents, it's, oh, Craig Moore gave it a few dents on uh, He did. Fair play to him. He was delighted to have won it. Um, but it, it set the record that night for the longest ever in a hockey kit and he wasn't playing was he no, he, was, yeah. he just came back from his ACL but I think he spent John Terry did better than yeah, John Terry yeah. Yeah. He, he was at least six hours in his hockey <laughs> kit and that, and that was from the end of the game onwards yeah he it was on the start, so. <laughs> but it's um, it's a it's a shame that it's not around anymore what Monty um, yeah well, Super League <laughs> Monty yeah. um, but it's a it's a nice bookend in that we won it 20 years apart yeah and we were the first team and the last team yes. to win it. And uh, I remember the the first time we regained it after mm. 20 years, me and you, John, went to the office to get it because mm. we were going to put it on camera. And we walked past the boys playing football. And, <laughs> and, uh, I, I remember, the, the, I don't think some of the guys had ever seen it before. It was Patrick Ford, love. Yeah. And he, <laughs> hey, guys, is that, the, uh, is that the trophy? Yeah. You're shitting me. <laughs> No, no, no. That's it. Right. That was... <laughs> and then it, guys, come and look at this. Yeah. Remember Boardlow's line was, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was filled with M&Ms, wasn't it? It was. For, for a long time yeah. as well, which was a gift. Maybe even from, from Belfast, from Brooksy. I think that was something that Brooksy and, 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 Todd, and Todd did in Belfast it. when, when Doug Christensen demanded the conference trophy. He wanted a conference trophy yeah. the year they won it. So I think Brooksy and Todd... They I, bought the biggest one. They bought the biggest one. They got it and filled it with M&Ms. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, one serious question before we wrap up. Why didn't the Devils win the league for so long afterwards? Taking away the off-ice stuff that occurred at, at certain times, there were years where could have, should have, 
Was there a bit of complacency in the organisation after this Super League win? I, I, for me, I'm frowning my answer differently. I, I think it was probably just a bit of financial muscle. We still competed. I think there was a year, I think the year after we finished second to Air, the year after that we possibly finished second to Manchester. So we were still up there competing, but certainly in, in terms of Manchester when Kurt Kleinendorf came in, and he was a great coach and has gone on to great things, they had the ability to bring in real top-end players. So we never got the new rink and I think we you know based on what Franny said before speculating to accumulate with sky money coming in that, that never did I think we were probably spending above our means and, and I think that just kind of ran out um, you know let's not forget he, he won that playoff trophy in, in 99 beating you know Manchester and, and, and Nottingham so we as much as we like to think of ourselves as a huge club and I do think of us as a huge club we were going up against teams which probably then had bigger budgets, better venues than us, were getting sponsorship and corporate income. So Super League unfortunately became a bit of an arms race and that was its downfall. And I, I don't think we could quite sort of compete with the finances, but I might be wrong, Franny. No, I think that's nail on the head there. Um, it was the, the arena team started mm. to, you know, you know, the crowds were up because mm -hmm. this new product was way, way better. Um, and you know when you've got our 2,600 seater rink going up against people drawing 7,000, 10,000, mm. 12,000, whatever it was in Manchester, um, you know they they did have the clout, and yeah. uh, and I think you know we always punch above our weight, and you know we always did, but uh, there's only so far that will yeah. take you, you know when you've got people throwing serious money around, and I think yeah we we, we became a sort of uh, a victim if you like of that. Uh, you know that extra spending power yeah. that the arena teams had. And did we finish second that last year we were in it, or third when when we started off with McCarthy and Walkington, and then McCarthy went and walked in, and we brought in guys like Kim Al Roos and and, and Zima, and uh, that was the year John Parker was there, and, and what have you. Um, so that was our last year in Super League before we dropped out. I think Super League did one more year after that. But I, you know, with I think about four teams. With about four teams. Um, but I think we finished either second or third that year. So we were always there or thereabouts, apart from Paul Heavey's last season where we, I think we finished eighth and, and missed the playoffs the year. We had a lot of Swedish players and Doc Dirdle and things like that. And that was a sad end for, for Heavey to go out on. Um, you, you know, I think a lot of the British players have been curtailed by this time. Stoney had dropped out, Franny had dropped out. That, that, was, that was sad to see. Um, we probably will never cover that season because... Yeah, because Franny wouldn't Franny remember any about it. <laughs> Whereas these seasons he I played in, he remembers everything. Yeah, Hooch by this point. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Hooch's one to ask Jason Stone. He was the, really? the Hooch monster, yeah. <laughs> just that Stoney is coming on. We 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 yeah, asked him. We've booked uh, him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he just gave that away, didn't they? He did. And he's more reliable than Shannon. Yeah, we couldn't put Shannon down, but we've uh, we got Stoney committed. So we'll uh, get him on to talk about retired shirts and yeah. all that jazz. And Who should I say? This year's Super League year, he won British Defenseman of the Year. That Alan Weeks trophy that Mark Richardson's won lately and Stephen Cooper won for years. Jason Stone was was voted the best British Defenseman in the league um, this year. And Pretty good going, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very good going. Gentlemen, any closing comments on this first Super League year before we wrap it up? I think we've done a pretty good overview of what went on. Of course, in the archives, there is more, uh, especially about the pre-season training camps about this season, which are I've, my highlights of <laughs> this whole podcast journey. So please go and check those out because it does add quite a little bit to this. But we did want to 
bore our usual listeners no. by going through it again, but uh, they are uh, exceptional stories. Anything to end on? I think for me, just this was, and it didn't last, and it couldn't last, and it was sad seeing the British players drop out. Um, but this first year, and of course the Devils won it, so that was great, but this was a really exciting year of hockey. It was The, the, the standard did kind of shoot up tenfold, um, and there were some mistakes, and there were some guys employed just because they had a Canadian accent, but for the most part, a lot of guys came in who were exceptional hockey players, and I remember it being exciting, I remember it being exciting with Sky being involved, um, and just as Franny touched upon there, I remember the conversations, and I haven't had this conversation with Franny, but I remember having this conversation with my, my dad. And, and for me, because the rivalry with Sheffield is so great, it was important to be the team that won it first. Um, because Sheffield won the last two league trophies, they were favourites for this Super League, and it was, right, we're Cardiff, we, we, you know, we set the standard, it was important that we won it first. So um, this was a really special league title to win. Um, I didn't think it would be 20 years before we won another one. Um, and I think up until the last two or three years, this was probably the best hockey, best season of hockey I'd seen. Probably the best Devils team I'd ever seen. I think that, that probably has been surpassed now. But 96-97 will, will always stand out as a, yeah, a really, really enjoyable year. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, um, it was... You know, growing up, it was always two-line hockey, and we were the third line, the kid line, and, and all stuff. Then, you know, this new era came in, and that yes, there was the excitement because there was going to be so much more money, and you know, we were going to be, you know, well paid as the sky money came in, and all those promises. Um, you know, I quickly found out that my sort of third line role was, you know, not going to be the case that year because you, you you mentioned it before. You look at our third line; it's probably what won us league that mm-hmm. year with. Vez was second top scorer in the league. Yep. Doug McCarthy was top five scorer. Mm-hmm. And then Uchuk, very useful all-around player. Yep. Um, that was our third line, which is incredible, because then you got you know, the other line of yep. Mo Duggan, uh, Ian, Ian mm-hmm. um, to complement the, the famous black line of uh, Hodge, Matulak and Thornton, which you know was deadly. Um, but it was we had that fourth line. So it was myself, Swanee, uh, George Woffy, Swan, and yeah. Peter Smith, Woffy. Um, and we only, you know, sort of spot shifted out there. Um, and, and it's often talked about now, is the Elite League now better than the Super League was? And, you know, Todd will tell you, back in the Super League, it was, you had 10 forwards. Yeah. And, that, and that was it. So the depth is way better it now. Is. Maybe on an individual basis, there may be a slight edge on some of the players that played in the Super League. But in terms of the overall depth, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the vote is on the Elite League. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a, a fourth line that year and... You know, it was it was so um, appreciative that when McCarthy made those comments to say that you know without you pulling those shifts when guys needed a rest that we might not have got there. So a very very satisfying year for me, even though it probably I didn't get the ice time that mm-hmm. I obviously aimed for at the start of the year because I always envisaged myself to be part of the top nine. Um, when you see the caliber of players coming in, the ones I've just mentioned, no chance I fit on that top nine. Um, but still to play a small part is you know something that we'll always remember Franny doesn't pump his tyres enough just to point out I think this was Franny's third league title in five years so um, <laughs> yeah but his, it does his, help when you got Mo Dougie and Fra- stop Mo selling yourself Mo short man Shannon, uh, third league title in five years <laughs> indeed and that is why we do these podcasts because Franny's been such a monumental part of Devil's history 
that was the Super League year. We will end. Franny, can you remember that question that you were posed in Graz? Uh, it was about an incident on the bench involving Frank Evans. <laughs> on the bench, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly so, what you're talking do you, about. You yeah. do, okay. So <laughs> I didn't know about it, but I said I know people will. So we'll talk about it off camera, off camera, off okay. off microphone, yeah. and we'll see if we can bring that into another episode. Okay, well, I, I, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it was a worthy winner of the poll, uh, as would have the, the first 10th year as well because we'll have tons on that when we eventually get round to doing that episode and uh, uh, a bit of a, a hello to uh, Rich in Dubai mm-hmm. who uh, when we do do that uh, first 10 episode will be an invaluable source of information <laughs> for me when I do my research because we uh, we went through some stuff that year but um, he always gives me a row for not saying hello to him but uh, hello to Rich, Hi, Rich. In, in Sunny. Rich. Do I know Rich? I, you probably... I think you may have met him once, yeah. Once, yeah, once or twice but maybe not. Oh. Hi, anyway, yep. <laughs> but he's in a lovely warm Dubai. Is he still so. working for Pepsi? No, no, he's working okay. for a luxury drinks company. In, in, uh, we can have this conversation off. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll edit that little bit out. <laughs> you no, think it's it's sponsorship? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Podcast. Podcast. Rich. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. Hello to Rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember Rich. <laughs> Always loved spending time with Rich. <laughs> Over a <at> Budvar. <laughs> And uh, we are going to say goodbye um, from uh, Mr. John Donovan. Thank you guys for having us again. Goodbye. No problem. And uh, Miss Neil Francis, of course. Cheers, JD. I'll, I'll address you first, just so you feel important. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm Gareth Hewish, and this is Brass Bonanza. Good night. <laughs>